Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the 
center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. Cues is short for questions. Force is the word force. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsug. No one's forcing you to listen to our questions, but we uh, we hope you do in our answers to the questions. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, if you want to listen to just the questions and then mute and see if we're done answering, that, that's a way to approach it. Please feel free to listen to the podcast any way you like. Uh, we are going to have some thoughtful questions today, as always. And we're going to have some really fun questions, a great balance. Thank you, everyone who sent in questions. But we always want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, this week, we are recommending Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. Uh, it is hard to say the title of that book without doing a general grievous impression. <laughs> Imagine him finding it in the bookstore. Kenobi. Mm. Uh, anyway, I really enjoyed this. It is a Legends Kenobi story, but it has a lot of uh, great connections uh, to the television show we all just experienced. So if you'd be interested in listening to that book, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, audibletrial.com slash center. Free audiobook. Ken, do you have any audiobook thoughts you want to share today? Uh, one day I'm going to revisit a great Star Wars audiobook and not get lost in a daydream and forget where I uh, am four chapters in. Because <laughs> everyone else who loves the audiobooks, they just, just praise them to high heavens. The production quality is so great. And I want to be in that cool crowd. Me too. Me too. Sometimes I have the thing that the audio fires my imagination. So mm-hmm. like uh, there'll be a sound effect or a line or a delivery that makes me go like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I would like to, you know, include some element of this in a story I'm working on. And then suddenly I'll realize, oh, I've stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah. Good to you know are. I'm not alone. You are not alone. All right, we're going to get into our questions. We have two from Twitter, as always, as well as two from patrons on Patreon. Uh, First, we're going into a deep Kenobi question. Uh, This comes to us from Collecting Star Wars. Collecting Star Wars says, Other than droids, Kenobi traditionally uses alternatives to fighting and killing. However, the Kenobi series seems to have abandoned tradition. In Episode 2, he shoots an unarmed man in the back. Episode 4, he mows down troopers like grass. Why this drastic change in his philosophy? Uh, I think, Ken, that this is uh, an important question, an interesting question. Uh, It is a a question uh, that is stated with passion. Uh, Mm. I also want to be able uh, to be clear that this question came to us, as you might be able to tell, before the finale. And I think Mm -hmm. the finale obviously does have some perspectives on violence uh, and uh, Kenobi choosing not to continue engaging in violence with Vader has, I think, uh, stirred uh, some questions that are almost the opposite of collecting Star Wars questions of Uh, why didn't he uh, continue violence? So I thought it would be great to address uh, this wonderful question uh, by just kind of wrestling with the big picture idea of uh, Kenobi's relationship to using violence. Uh, when he chooses to use it, when he chooses not to, and how much consistency is that is there in the character's evolution over the years? Yeah, so this is great stuff. I uh, I feel like this is a press conference, and I'm just the uh, uh, person that's setting the tone, and then uh, um, I'm going to bring uh, hand over all questions to uh, Joseph, Joseph Scrimshaw, <laughs> Vice President of, of uh, Kenobi. Um, so this is yeah, I agree. I agree. This is uh, it's a great question in the sense of. Uh, 
like it's there. Like there's some some things he does in the show that might that make you go, hmm. And I, I think that's sometimes the the point. And that's that's where I approach a lot of things when it comes to analyzing Star Wars. Uh, where you know, I always I love the the line, you know, characters aren't what characters say aren't facts. Uh, you know, that's one that goes along around Twitter a lot. I'm, I'm certainly not the only person to say that or believe that. And I think, I think that sometimes what the shows, the, the, the movies and shows are, are showing you are meant to make you go, that seems slightly different. So why is he doing that? And so nothing, nothing here I'm saying I, I hold as fact. I'll, I'll start here, Joseph, before I do hand it over to you at the podium here. The, the, to <laughs> me, you got to look at the purpose of the action, the end game. I don't think you can overlook that. I, I think when, when Freck sells them out, that's a weird story. And Kenobi has been trying to <laughs> run from the fight more than avoid it, if that makes sense. That's, that's totally my interpretation of just mm. a lot of where Kenobi's head, 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 uh, headspace is, what his headspace mm-hmm. is. Um, this isn't like I'm working through it to not fight it. It's like I, I'm nervous. I don't trust anyone. Um, I'm running from a lot of things. I'm trying to get. I'm just trying to put my head down. Let's let's uh, you know get through it. But still keeping in mind that he's there to protect Leia, and trying to get back and try to get her home. Um, and so that's why. I, that's again. That's why. So it's not he's. It's not he's trying to get through conflicts in other ways. He's just trying to avoid the conflict. So my again, my interpretation. I'll say that a few times here. He comes off more lost. Then on a mission mm. when he and Leia first land to me in that third that third chapter specifically, second mm-hmm. one's a little different. But when he's on Dayu, but still the same vibe. But that third one, there's a little bit of like, what the hell are we doing here? And though she is cho- she's choosing hope, Freck does sell them out and everything. So all that to say, he's pushed into action. He has to take to keep Leia alive is a big talking point for me. But I'll move past that quickly. Then I think that's one you're probably going to talk about more, Joseph. There, but. <laughs> I feel like uh, reporters, uh, the cameras are going. Also, not for nothing, not for nothing. I interpret him as being someone who has lost his sense of self mm-hmm. and, and who's to say, and this is one of those total headcanon questions to to collecting Star Wars and anyone going, yeah, this is this is a question I want to answer. This is a headcanon thing. Who's to say he won't address some of the specific actions later with Qui-Gon or himself? Mm-hmm. I don't need a long one-on-one conversation with Qui-Gon, but maybe he's going to look back and think, how did I get to where I was? And why did I make those decisions? And by the way, I think I, I'm just talking about some of his actions, the, you know, saying shooting an unarmed person or mowing down troopers, or even some, some of his um, actions in, in chapter three or um, blaster based aggression, right? Like I, I, maybe he looks back and, and, and analyzes it a little bit more, but I also don't think characters have to stick to these templates that we come to know so well. And on screen, yes, he does do things with, like I said, a bit more aggression, energy, violence, but he's not wielding his lightsaber at that point, right? It, it's mm-hmm. he's he's holding that back, and and uh, one hand, um, one hand he can't because it might get him in even more trouble. And two, he's being kind of forced to fight in a dirty game at this point that Freck and this whole situation's put him in. So I, I focus on that that Freck episode even more than episode two or four for me with this question, but that's my overall view on it. And I'll, I'll take some follow-ups here at the podium. (laughs) Uh, I I think you make a lot of really great points and you're reminding me that I have a screenshot I took with my phone of the screen that I really like of the moment where uh, Kenobi knocks Freck out uh, by hitting him in the back of the head with the butt of the blaster and the subtitles say, Hey, (laughs) yeah, yeah. uh, Freck is getting bonked on the noggin. Um, yeah, I think uh, I really like the point that you make that we're, we're tracking his actions um, and trying to discern philosophy and has it changed uh, from different points in his life. And I think you make a really valuable point that part of where he's at in the early part of the show is 
uh, flailing, right? He's agreed to do yeah. this, but he said his first instinct was, I'm not that man anymore. I don't know how mm. to do this. I don't want to do this. And I, I've got like the only thing on my to-do list pinned on my vision board is don't lose Leia. Don't lose mm -hmm. another person in my care. Don't mm. fail another Skywalker. And for the mm. first half of this, he's he's flubbing his dub just trying to figure out how to do that. And I think that mindset is definitely a, a great thing to point out. Uh, so mm. I love that. Mm. Um, I, also, I also think that... Um, you know, collecting Star Wars, a great question here starts with other than droids, which also which puts me in mind of the prequels, but it also puts me in mind of, of the Clone Wars. And I, and I really understand coming mm, at mm -hmm. this like is Kenobi being more violent in this show than he is in the Clone Wars. And yeah, yeah in the Clone Wars animated series in particular, you know, we see plenty of violence. Uh, but, you know, I think there is some mindfulness uh, of the mm. violence. Uh, we certainly see Anakin just straight up kill some people, but yeah. in the Clone Wars animated series, we see Obi-Wan fight lots of droids. He does kill a few animals, uh, you know, in, in defense. Uh, he fights with Grievous and Ventress, and there's a, you know, an implication that he would possibly strike them down, but he doesn't kill them. So I get where that's coming from. Um, but I wanted to kind of, kind of take a, a step back and kind of look at uh, Kenobi's history. And I'll mm -hmm. try to keep the press conference brief <laughs> 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 to the best of my ability. Uh, I think for myself, I don't think his philosophy changed in the Kenobi show drastically. I think it is a reflection of the fact that Jedi in general and Kenobi in particular always wrestle with the place of violence. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's that great quote in one of the High Republic uh, books. I believe, I believe it's Jarl Poof who says it, that, you know, the Jedi stand for peace and justice and sometimes peace and justice, you know, pull at you in different ways, uh, which yeah. I think is a great, elegant way to say it. And I think that Jedi uh, in general, Kenobi in particular, because he's crafty and often looking for a, a better solution, a more elegant solution, that in general, they avoid violence whenever possible. And when violence has to happen, it's got to be in defense. And it feels, it seems even more justifiable if it's immediate defense. There's a person right behind me and I'm stopping someone from cutting them down. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I have to cut that person down. I think there is also a part of Jedi philosophy, which seems to be actively at work in the prequel era of uh, the only uh, thing that the Jedi can't tolerate is intolerance, right? That they know the Sith must be stopped because the Sith will, uh, you know, they will uh, attack, they will kill, uh, they will mm -hmm. spread the dark side, they will cause others great suffering. So the Jedi have to stop that. Uh, so there's always that that wrestling with when is it defense and when is it when am I slipping into aggression? When is uh, my violence going to cause more violence? And I think they're always wrestling with that. So mm -hmm. with that in mind, I just kind of walk through a little bit of Obi-Wan's choices. I think in the actual prequels, uh, we see him follow the general doctrine of avoid violence, but the Sith must be stopped. Right. He yeah. he cuts down Maul in the Phantom Menace. He cuts him in half. Uh, when he's been, been attacked in the arena, he kills that Ackley uh, and yeah. makes sure it's dead, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in Revenge of the Sith, uh, I'm sure he would have preferred to arrest Grievous, but Grievous mm. has to be stopped for the war to stop is his mission, and he blows apart his organ sack, right? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Once the clones have turned on the Jedi and he needs to get back into the temple to reprogram that message so Jedi are not led to the slaughter, he and Yoda take out clones in order to get back to that temple. Um, we now know in canon that 
he believes in Revenge of the Sith that he killed Anakin. So we do in the prequels see him take life. I think it's almost always with the doctrine of defense. Um, And I think in the beginning of the Kenobi show, uh, like this question is, is pointed out, and like you pointed out, he, he's in this, uh, I don't think, he's not sitting down and meditating and deciding, where do I want to stand on the doctrine? Do I want to just use violence as defense? Or, or do I want to really be clever and try to find ways around it? I think he's just like, got to keep a Leia alive any way possible. Mm-hmm. And the guy grabbing Leia is a bounty hunter. He's saying, get the girl. She'll tell him where he is. Uh, yeah. He's desperately defending Leia. It, it doesn't look particularly honorable for honorable Jedi Knight Kenobi, but he, but it is in defense. Um, yeah. The stormtroopers are a threat to Leia in himself. And there is a total lack of elegance that feels maybe not Kenobi-like, but yeah. I think for it, it is exactly what you're saying of he is, he's finding himself again. He's finding his skills again, and he's just desperate to keep her alive. It is absolutely defense. It's inelegant, violent defense, but it's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm going to pause there in case you have any, any thoughts and then I'll, and then I'll go on. <laughs> um, uh, sir, one question. No, um, no, I, I, I want to back up, back up your claim. I guess we're, I feel like we're in court now. I'll back up your, your idea of, of part of what stands out to me is the violence. I use the, the aggression energy violence. There's something a little bit different about it than say Chalman's Cantina, where he just quickly whips out the lightsaber and gave, I gave you every chance. I offered to buy you a drink. Now your hands on the floor. Uh, and ain't that cool. I'm a samurai on the go here. It, it was, it, it's kind of violent. It's very violent. It's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it kind of needs to be, but you're right. He wasn't, he wasn't at that point, wasn't uh, a Jedi in, in my mind. You know what I mean? And I, that, that's, I'm not saying he wasn't, but like he, he was a different in a different, that's what I mean about the headspace thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, I think the headspace yeah. thing is 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 absolutely great, and and I think by the time of a new hope, he is centered, and he's like, hey, I tried. I'm protecting Luke. This is an immediate yep. protection. They have blasters, and they want they want to kill Luke basically because they're drunk and mean. <laughs> no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in modern, you know, I grew up with the cut off a walrus man's arm and, and killed pig man. Uh, yeah. Now in modern canon, he uh, wounded both Ponda Baba and Doctor Evazin, but they both lived. Uh, yeah. so that's a that's a whole other thing. Um, so kind of coming back to the show, I think uh, the first half, it, it can be shocking because it is kind of inelegant. It's Kenobi using a blaster. I think it is defense. And then I think as the show goes on, he's haunted by his own violence that he killed Anakin. And throughout the show, he's confronted with the cycle of violence, right? He he mm-hmm. personally experiences Vader's rage uh, of of Vader wanting to drag him through the flames. That is such a cycle of violence thing. I want to do exactly to you what you did to me. Mm. That violence leading to pain. Uh, he uses his, as he comes back to his Jedi self a little bit, he uses his insights uh, and is more crafty and has a conversation with Reva and really understands that Reva's trauma is causing her to almost become Vader again. And I think he's waking up, right? Because he is becoming more aware of that Jedi philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think it's so stylistically done. doesn't really matter to me whether both Vader and Kenobi are literally remembering that one specific sparring match. Mm. Uh, but I think they're both thinking of what has our relationship always been? Uh, Vader knows he's coming for Kenobi. Kenobi knows Vader is coming for him. And they're both thinking through uh, their strategy. But within that, I think Kenobi is connecting back to earlier days of being a Jedi, mm. even before the Clone Wars, before he said, okay, I need, it's defense. 
I'll, I'll go out and be a general. I'll go out and be a warrior. Uh, and he's thinking back to, well, I, I used to truly believe that a Jedi's goal was uh, to protect life, not take it. And I think you can have fun thinking about like, how, does he think about how far he's come from that? Yeah. And then he goes into this this final battle where he is making this tactical decision to draw Vader away. He, he says pretty explicitly to uh, Qui-Gon and Roken that he is willing to kill or be killed in the fight with yeah. Vader. Right. And then, you know, he, he cuts, he takes it to Vader, he cuts that helmet, he sees Anakin and it stops him in his tracks, right? And then we get all the great stuff uh, uh, between them of him apologizing and Anakin saying, you didn't do this, I made this choice. And he recognizes that Anakin's gone and uh, it, it's Vader there and, and uh, Vader, you know, sort of, I think yeah. Kenobi recognizes, uh, yep, I made some mistakes, he made this choice and I think it makes yeah. him you know, able to forgive himself a little bit. But then with all, within all of that, to this violence point, Vader wants to keep fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. He raises the blade again and says, I'm going to destroy you. And in that moment, you know, Obi-Wan does make a different violence choice. Yeah. There's not somebody who's immediately being defended. I, if Leia was behind him, I think Obi-Wan might have kept fighting, Different. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the defense is now onto the the larger in the more theoretical, and I think in that moment he he is flashing back to I want to preserve life, not take it. That includes in this moment I don't want to cut down this person that I trained. Yeah. I don't want him to cut me down. I want to break the cycle of violence in this moment, and he chooses to disengage. Mm-hmm. And for me. I think this goes to a little bit of what you were saying about it matters what's in your heart. I think that for me, the way I, I interpret the Jedi philosophy is your actions matter, but also how you take them matters of what is in your heart. Uh, you know, sometimes defense is necessary and sadly, sometimes violence is necessary, but uh, are you doing it with great regret with the conviction that you're immediately saving another life um, or is there even the tiniest possibility that you are selfishly, selfishly lashing out in your own anger or to resolve your own problem. Mm-hmm. And I think for Kenobi in that moment with Vader, where he walks away, he's like, if I choose to keep fighting, you know, this boy that I was supposed to train, I'm just going to feed his anger. And uh, and I, I'm not doing that. I'm not in the place to do that. Compare that to what happens in the fight with Maul mm-hmm. in Rebels. He cuts down Maul with regret to directly defend Luke. He doesn't ignite that blade until yeah. Maul realizes you're protecting someone. Luke is in immediate danger if Kenobi doesn't cut down Maul. And there is clearly not an ounce of malice in Kenobi's heart. He's entirely centered. It's just, you're going to hurt this boy. I can't let you. Let me hold you while you die. Let me try to give you whatever comfort I can. There's no malice, you know? Uh, But he's returning to this philosophy of, if I'm centered, if I know why I'm making the choice, if it's not about me, if it's not selfish, it's so sad, but sometimes you have to stop people. And that continues, right? He Mm -hmm. he, uh, recognizes that the Death Star is the same kind of imminent threat. It's going to destroy Yavin yeah. and all of the rebels there. He encourages Luke to destroy it. Uh, he encourages Luke to face Vader, uh, knowing that that death might be a part of that. Um, even at the end of the Kenobi show, 
He gives that holster to Leia. He's not giving her a blaster yet, <laughs> but giving her the holster is saying it's a sad reality that sometimes violence is necessary. It is to be avoided at all costs, but sometimes in defense, it's necessary. So I think for me, if you look through his whole arc, uh, there's lots to be talked about. There's a lot to be debated uh, morally within Star Wars, morally within the real world. But I think there's a real consistency of philosophy of it is to be avoided. And if there's any way around it, 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 it has to be taken. But if it's in immediate defense, then it's a, a sad responsibility. Um, yeah. There's my press conference, Ken. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's great. And, and there's something too about how and the philosophy at all is great. And a lot of it, again, a lot of us is, is, is what you and I have fun doing is looking at a scene, asking the big questions, asking the why, and just coming up with what we think of it and trying to connect it to other parts of the Star Wars story. And, and that's what I think we're doing here as well. It makes me also think of some of the stuff of Luke in Battlefront 2, of uh, him and Del Mico and their conversation, the relationship to Jedi's relationship to violence. And you've just gone through a level where you've slaughtered a lot of stormtroopers. Uh, mm-hmm. And plants, and just this idea of uh, you know, uh, well, they didn't ask for they didn't ask for my help. They didn't give me a choice, um, and I gave them one. So, and that's part of it too. And I just that comes to mind just thinking of of the actual, like we've been talking, the energy and violence, the aggression with the stormtroopers, uh, with the, the you know, fisticuffs and all those kind of things. Which, um, other than Cl- I don't know, Clone Wars animated series, it seems to Kenobi it has a little bit of a vibe to Kenobi, but you know, it, it definitely reads a little different to me which is why I think this is a fun question to tackle. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that Star Wars always has this tension that we talk about that I think it advocates for uh, pacifism and to avoid violence, but it also advocates that you you have to fight back when there is no other choice. Um, mm-hmm. And it creates all these interesting moral quandaries and all of the back and forth with Kenobi's choices uh, with Vader, where it's all going is uh, Luke saving his father by throwing down his blade, by showing mercy um, mm-hmm. and by Anakin making a better choice. So this whole story and all of its convolutions leads to that, you know, critical moment, uh, which is important to me. So I think it's complex. I think it is always open for more discussion, but I think that's the point is that anytime you use violence, it's a hard choice. And, and when Kenobi yeah. does choose violence, it matters when he avoids it. Uh, it matters. It, what's going on with Kenobi personally in that moment at that time matters. And I think that it, it's some of the rich things that are important emotionally and, and thematically to discuss about Star Wars. Love it. Yeah. All right. Any other any other thoughts or should we move on? Press conference is closed for today. <laughs> Press conference is closed for today. Uh, thank you for that question, which led us into lots of complex and fun thoughts. Uh, moving on to a question from James uh, Pasqualucci. James says, hello there, Ken, Joseph, and Jennifer. We all know the great Star Wars phrase, may the Force be with you. As we have learned more and more names for the Force in modern canon, I have loved the idea of different phrases for those names. Out of all the great names, I really love the name Luminous Mist in the Legends of Luke Skywalker book. Based on that, I coined the phrase, may the luminous mist dampen you with waters of rejuvenation. (laughs) Uh, I would be interested to hear what kinds of phrases you'd create with different names of the Force. Thanks to you and all. 
Thanks to you all, and uh, well, may the force be with you. Well, may the luminous mist dampen you with waters of rejuvenation. James, thank you for the question. Uh, Ken, uh, what are your favorite other names for the force? Uh, there's there's a, a lot of, uh, yeah, the, the, the um, oh my gosh, I just forgot. What's from the same book? Is it The Wind? No. It is yeah. The no, there's some. The, the mist ones. is the one that I know. The mist is the one that I remember. I, I'd have to look it up to see what the other ones were because yeah. the mist is so good that that's the one yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of fun ones, and, and I love I love other cultures' relationships uh, with uh, the Force, and there's some even in some of the, the Thrawn books and everything. It's fascinating because as a, as a kid, you just kind of grow up thinking, ah, there's only one view on it, right? It's the Force. That's what it is. Um, so, in, in answer to this, uh, uh, like, uh, what phrases? Yeah, I, I could, what would you make I, up? The, the mist, one, the luminous mist dampening your dampening with waters of rejuvenation sounds like a wonderful soap commercial as well. But I think you have to do the Jan Dodonna test. You have mm-hmm. to imagine him sitting in front of a bunch of uh, pilots, and and how how can you say it? You know, and I can't. Uh, the luminous mist dampen. You're losing people's <laughs> attention with it. Which, by the way, James, I'm not saying that's a bad phrase you've come up with. Needs to be punchy. That's why May the Force Be With You works so well in story and out. So I have uh, three options here based off uh, James. I have uh, may the mist envelop you um, <laughs> going there. Then I have may the light warm your soul. Oh, yeah. And then the final one is may the midi chlorians run through you. <laughs> now, do you mean that one is a joke? Cause it kind of sounds like you had some bad midi chlorians. <laughs> it's it, both. 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 <laughs> uh, I like that. The, what was the second one about the light? May the light warm your soul. May the light warm your soul, man. Yeah. We we need those moments. That's how, that's why I felt at the end of the Kenobi show, like the light yeah. was warming my soul. Um, yeah, for for ones that exist, uh, I like that uh, the chess uh, call uh, for sensitive uh, people Skywalkers. At first, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about it, uh, but it's you know a translation, and I thought that was really interesting. And mm-hmm. since they are used literally to uh, navigate uh, through difficult parts of space uh, by using the Force, I thought that was really cool. And then uh, I, I like that in the the just have different uh, terms for different abilities, like second sight being mm, telepathy yeah. and third That's sight yeah. being uh, precognition. Mm-hmm. I just really like that because it's this great examination of how would a rigid society <laughs> yeah. talk about the force? And like, we've broken it down into powers. That's so true. <laughs> into which ones are useful, you know? So true. Uh, normally I have a list. I liked your list, but I only have one. Mm. And this is the one that just jumped to my mind. And it's, uh, it's from my real life experience. Uh, I would call the force, the room. Mm. And, uh, if I could whisper to, to Luke Skywalker, I'd say, read the room, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it partially is a joke and partially is a truth. I feel like that phrase, read the room is it's about intuition, right? It's about being yeah aware of other people's energy. It's about being aware of your own. It's about being aware of, of how everything is connected. Cause a lot of times when the jokey read the room phrase comes up, it's because somebody's all up in their own head about their own thing and then say something that is clearly not the thing to be said. And you'd know that if you reached out with your feelings, <laughs> mm-hmm. paid attention to what's going on with other people uh, and maybe even your own energy and the situation uh, and the more like, uh, kind of personal, powerful thing for me of like, uh, reading a room for doing a comedy show feels like the closest that yeah. I can get to using the force. Right. Cause it's, right, right. you can break down some of it, some of it's laughs, some of it's rustling, 
you know, some of it's, is there a noise that isn't a laugh? Um, but it, it all piles up into just this instinctual feeling, you know, and like, um, doing, uh, the same show many nights in a row and like just trying to be present. And it's like, I don't just, I don't just plow forward and say my jokes. Mm. I adjust to the audience and Mm -hmm. having those nights where like, Oh, I'm really good at uh, reading the room. And, and I, I really know that this is the pause or this is the emphasis to land this joke. And then suddenly one night being like, I, I need to pause longer because I can just mm-hmm. read the room and I can sense it will land twice as hard if I wait a second more. That's the closest I've ever felt to using the force. And, and some of those times where Star Wars, is, you know, started to feel deep to me is in those artistic moments. So uh, that's my answer is reading the room. Mm. I love it. It also makes me think that many nights of my stand-up career, I have been Kenobi in episodes one through four. <laughs> where I'm just kind of like, I understand that you need to read the room. I'm just going to plow through with my head down and try to figure it out. And it never works. <laughs> uh, but when you uh, pay attention and read that room, connect to the energy that's there, you do absolutely have a better set. So there you go. Stand-up advice from Four Center. Yep. The energy is here between the stage and the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're ever at a historic rock and roll venue and they put the crowd 60 feet away from the stage, you will have trouble reading the room. Uh, it's, it's energy. It yeah. matters. It really matters. Uh, there's yeah. the living force, the cosmic force, and the uh, comedy room setup <laughs> force. Uh, thank you, James, for that great question. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our questions from our patrons on Patreon. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And we are back for more cues of the force. We're going to go to a question from patron Robert Meadows. Robert says, do you think Owen and Baru knew about Leia? Was that something Obi-Wan would have told them when he dropped off Luke? Did Brea know about Luke? Obviously, Bale knew about both of them. But who else other than Bale, Obi-Wan, and Yoda? Ken, this is fun. Who knows what, when? Uh, Mm. What do you think? Do you think, uh, we'll take the first one. Do you think Obi-Wan told uh, uh, Owen and Baru about Leia when he dropped off Luke? No. I don't. My headcanon is that, that they do not know, perhaps all the way until the tragic ending. Though it's possible that after, I don't know, some of the stuff we've seen, maybe uh, there's more, um, they're open to it or Kenobi's open to share. And and I say this as, I mean, I kind of would think, again, this is total headcanon. I'm trying to rack my brain to see if there's anything in the comics or any canon that would dictate otherwise. So if there is, I apologize. Um, but I don't think, uh, I think Owen and Brew don't know. And they're, and they're left a little bit in the dark and maybe that's not fair. And, uh, maybe that's not fair to them. And if they were to find out at some later date, maybe, Hey, Owen would be even a little more grumpy that ages them two more years overnight. <laughs> um, but I don't know, maybe there's some good reason for it. I think, uh, Bale and Breha are in a very different position. It's more of an open display that this is our adoptive daughter. Um, which is not to lessen Leia's danger at all. Clearly, it's not the case, but it's just um, a little different situation on Tatooine. So, um, yeah, and, and and as far as, and I'm just trying to think the actual, like, um, just trying to replay the scenes in my mind. I didn't have time. To, I was going to watch a little more of the Owen uh, Bruce scenes today, and I didn't have a chance. But, um, like, he, they want, he, more than anyone, Owen wants Kenobi to go away. So if old Ben takes a vacation off world, they ain't asking what he's doing, right? Mm-mm. They're not saying, where are you going? I got to help his sister. His what? Like, there's none of that going on. So um, they're happy. He's gone. That's all Owen cares about. Peru might be a different story, of course. You know. No, I think Owen's energy is very much, and don't let the door hit your Eopi on the way out. <laughs> like he's, I don't care why. I just don't want you here, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah I think, I think, um, like like you said, maybe there's something in in a comic book uh, that I don't remember or, you know, going forward from Kenobi, the Kenobi show. The Kenobi show opened up so many bits of imagination. Does yeah. at some point does Kenobi just have have, you know, 
uh, go to a cafe in Anchorhead and have a calf with just Baru? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yep. have a better chat with Baru? Maybe. Uh, so. Yeah. That would be fascinating. But I think for uh, the Kenobi television show, I do not get the vibe that Obi-Wan told them when he dropped uh, dropped Luke off, right? Yeah. Um, I think that he was so aware that they were meant to be hidden. They've been split up so they could be hidden. Uh, why, why would Obi-Wan take that risk to tell Owen and Brew something that they just, that he really didn't think they should tell Luke, you know? Mm. Um, mm. and I think that after the experience that he has with Leia in the Kenobi show, I think he wants to protect her even more, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, you know, hug goodbye and saying, you know, we have to be very careful. It could da- endanger either of us if people knew that we had, you know, met. Um, I think the fact that, you know, he, he becomes a force, uh, spirit who can whisper in Luke's ear and he doesn't even tell Luke <laughs> yeah, until Luke's just going to kind of intuit it anyway. Right. Um, yeah. at some point here very, very soon. Uh, and that Luke's, you know, old enough and mature enough uh, and has be found as much success as a Jedi that he's ready for the truth. I think the fact that Obi-Wan uh, keeps it secret for that long really makes me feel like he would not land on Tatooine right after the tragedy and go, don't tell him, but he's got a sister. Yeah, I, I think there's some, just thinking of, of some logistics behind it too of, you know, uh, number one, Kenobi, Yoda, they have a much different relationship with Bale uh, than Owen, right? I, I you know, I, to, to Owen's this uh, guy on the far side of the world with with his uh, then-girlfriend or wife, maybe by the point of Revenge of the Sith. Um, but just B- Brea and Bale just being in the center of the galaxy, I just, they're more plugged in, more worried, and, like, they're going to hear, you know, hey, there's some, we found some kid on Tatooine, like, that might mean something to them. Versus mm-hmm. the other way around. It's just some of the, the nuts and bolts looking at, at it as well. Um, but again, all this to say, I, I always like to find a little bit of that justice for Owen and Brew now, for sure. 100% Brew. A Brew crew over here. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I think it works. I think they might not understand it. And if they found out, they'd be very upset. Especially, especially Owen Lars. But I think it was wise not to tell him. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, Bale and Bray is a different situation. Uh, uh, Bale strikes me as a husband who communicates. <laughs> he does. Uh, Bale obviously knows the truth. And I think, yeah, they're, they are uh, preparing Leia to uh, lead Alderaan, but also to go out into the galaxy and be a representative of Alderaan. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they are preparing Leia to be out in the world. I don't think that they are preparing to they're clearly making choices there's some great stuff in the um in the leia book bloodline about when and when and how bail is maybe going to communicate some stuff all that is going on but i think yeah i think when when bail shows up with leia i think he tells brea everything he knows that's just a vibe i get from their relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again you know owen you got some things to work on but i love you <laughs> exactly as a husband i try I'm, i know there's a lot of love between owen and brew but i try to be a little bit more bail than owen <laughs> <laughs> yes yes uh, do you think uh to, to answer robert's final part of this question do you think there are other people besides bail obi-wan yoda and in our opinion brea who know uh about both twins there is one the most important uh, uh thing in the galaxy with the answers uh, r2d toa r2 oh, yeah R2 knows. All, he's got all the secrets. 
Yeah, and R2 keeps his uh, uh, metaphorical lips sealed tight. Mm-hmm. Very, very tight. Mm-hmm. All right, any other questions on that one before we move on? No, it's great. It's a lot of fun. I love stuff like that. It's And, and again, you're right. The Kenobi series... I keep saying it's like re-energized my love for New Hope, which was always pretty strong, but it's just, it, it's it's so much fun to just have these kind of headcanon uh, kind of thoughts and questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really fun now. This is something I never would have thought about without the Kenobi show and then Robert's great question. But now I'm, mm-hmm. now, you know, uh, we are Baru crew and now I really like the like, can I possibly talk to you without Owen? Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. get on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love that. All right. Moving on to our final question. Uh, uh, full disclosure. We did uh, get this question on our live Q&A, which you can check out on YouTube if you'd like. Uh, but that was kind of off the cuff. Wanted to be sure to uh, to give it its full due. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I'd already picked this question out and wanted to keep it in here. We'll get to all of the great questions that everybody is sending in uh, very soon. But our final question today comes from Joshua Bernard. Joshua says, hi, Ken, Joseph, and Jen. I have a question about the alien that was in the last episode of Obi-Wan. The alien in the parts store looks and kind of sounds like Wilford Brimley. Do you guys think that was a reference to him or was it just a funny quintessence? Excellent, excellent uh, vocabulary word, quintessence, as well. So thank you, Joshua. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts after uh, more examination? Do you feel that alien and Wilford Brimley are one and the same? I'm going to hold to what I said on the show. I think he has more to do with like Martin Van Buren. Like he looks, he's more designed like an old president, maybe a Millard Fillmore in there as well. Definitely not Franklin <laughs> Pierce, but he's just got some chops. He's got a little bit, it's just more of that vibe. I want it to be Brimley. We're so excited with this question. I even pulled the Ewok Adventure DVDs that we have, uh, you and I both have, and Jennifer that we got for Four Center a while ago before they decided to release them on Disney+. Plus. And I just, I wish, I wish, because uh, Wilford Brimley has a special place in uh, Star Wars because of his Ewok uh, movies uh, appearance. So, um, but I, I hope I'm, I'm wrong, because it's like, you know, there's that one uh, alien in Rogue One that's designed after Dennis Murin. Um, mm. You know, this has a little, uh, this guy's a little bit of a Phil Tippett vibe, except for Phil Tippett's got the full big white beard, the ponytail, the bald ponytail. So there's something about that too, but I would love to find out a little more detail, but. Sadly, I don't think it is anything with Wolfram Brimley. Yeah, I, I had a I had fun doing a deep dive into my own memories of Wilford Brimley uh, on YouTube, a physical examination. And here, here's what I think: I think this alien uh, that uh, doesn't have a name yet, according to Wikipedia, uh, I think this uh, fun, gruff alien uh, has mm. some relationship to Wilford Brimley. I think visually, yes. Uh, it kind of looks like, uh, hey, what if uh, Wilford Brimley's mustache was actually the bottom of his head? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so visually, yes. Voice, yes. There's some of that fun uh, grumble mm. down here. Um, yeah. Serious. Uh, but then attitude, no. Here, here's my controversial <laughs> Wilford Brimley memories and thoughts. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've known some people who've had the chance to, who had a chance to interact with them. And, uh, and, and they all, and I've seen them kind of caution, like eh, all the Wilford Brimley jokes are, are funny, but he, he was a very kind man. So great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Want to be re- respectful. Uh, the alien seemed a little bit more chill to me than some of Wilford Brimley's performances. Uh <laughs> I'm not speaking of Wilford Brimley the human, but his yeah. performances specifically. It's like, I know I have some memory of Wilford Brimley that causes me like almost fear from mm. my childhood. Mm. And I looked it up and it's the Quaker Oats commercial. Uh, 
A lot of people know him from that uh, diabetes commercial yeah, he made later yeah, in his life. But it's like, yeah. he, there was something that he was, I remember Wilford Brimley being mad at me for not eating something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're really funny because they're, they're, you know, they're commercials from a different time. They're a different kind of celebrity spokesperson thing that doesn't mm-hmm. happen in the same way. If you want to treat yourself, go to YouTube, put in Wilford Brimley, Quaker Oats. Uh, these are commercials where the entire commercial is just Wilford Brimley eating Quaker Oats. And he is preemptively angry at the idea <laughs> that you have not yet bought oatmeal. You have messed up your life and he is unhappy with you. Uh, again, not saying it was the human, but it's the, like the cultural picture of Wilford yeah. Brimley. Uh, the tag of line of those commercials is, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> I forgot about this. Oh, I, I was frightened of Wilford Brimley my entire life. I was like, angry Quaker Oats man is in Cocoon. I don't know if I want to see Cocoon. Uh, see, what was so? Oh my gosh, this is now is just a Wilford Brimley center show. Um, I, you know, becoming, I would say, like '87 was my pop culture awakening, where I was aware of pop culture and everything. You know, it was about 10 or 11 and like everything forward is new to me and everything was past. So Wilford Brimley is in this weird spot where I first became aware of him because of the Ewoks battle for Endor as Noah, but because of those commercials. And also he was the star of a, of a TV show from 86, 88 called Our House, which uh, also had Shannon Doherty as one of like the kids. And he was like the grandpa in the house. So he was kind of nice, but grumpy there too. Mm-hmm. And I think combined with that, that is why I've spent my life thinking he was diabetes, which is not fair to him. Like you said, just as a, as a human, but those commercials were real. Yeah. He was upset about you not eating them oats. <laughs> it's really funny. Can you imagine? Uh, like, I know that was a little bit of his like stern, no nonsense yes. grandpa. That was his public persona. But can you imagine like Benedict Cumberbatch being like, eat fruit roll ups. It's the right thing to do, period. Oh my gosh. I love it. Uh, yeah. Love so it. anyway, maybe there's some other Wilford Brimley performances where like this show you're talking about where he is uh, uh, gruff and lovable, but that's how this alien came across as gruff and lovable and not, not too, too grumpy. So mm. I think there's some Wilford Brimley uh, connection there, but this alien didn't go as hard as Wilford Brimley did for quick roads. You did not. My final thought on the matter. Very fun question. And yeah, we've been talking off air. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a, you know, a Disney gallery, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you, you know, and maybe that's going to be one of the revelations and and we'll circle around and, and uh, have to yeah. have to real, really tip our hats to Joshua Bernard for, for figuring out the connection. Oh, love that. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's it. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, James. And thank you, uh, Collecting Star Wars, for all of the great, uh, insightful, thoughtful, and fun questions. Ken, that's it. Where can people find us? Oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I almost skipped something. Uh, don't worry. We'll tell you where to find us. Uh, we are also adding something here to our Questions of the Force episodes. Uh, we are adding our segment, Power of the Light Side. Uh, short version is if you are a patron on Patreon, we've put up a post uh, asking you, inviting you to share just something positive, a character you like, a moment you like, anything in Star Wars that is joyful because we want to continue uh, fighting for the light side and fighting to just enjoy Star Wars, as well as being critical and thoughtful, uh, also celebrating the light side. So here is uh, this episode's Power of the Light Side from Will Culbertson. Will says... I have a very special place in my heart for this bit of dialogue in Return of the Jedi. Han Solo, 
well, why don't you use your divine influence and get us out of this? C-3PO, I'm sorry, General Solo, but that just wouldn't be proper. Han Solo, proper. C-3PO, it's against my programming to impersonate a deity. Uh, Will goes on. One day at the college cafeteria, my friends and I got into a fun discussion about the movie, and one of them brought up how hilarious Harrison Ford's delivery of the word proper was in this scene. Of course, what followed in the weeks and months ahead was the regular injection of the word proper into all of our interactions. It became an instant in-joke, but somehow it didn't die when we all moved on from college. We still regularly reference proper when we see each other on holidays or when sending each other birthday wishes on Facebook and such. It's a small and silly moment in the movie, but it's one that to this day remains a point of connection to me and several of my good friends, and we have Star Wars to thank for it. I love this, Ken. What are your thoughts on this one? This is so great, and 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 I love that every generation will have this, and and and, and it, like even though we can acknowledge it right now, but we don't quite know fifteen years from now where you know uh, people will be in business meetings, um, hitting the right just tone of a word that's said in Force Awakens, or the the, or the right <laughs> uh, the energy behind it. Uh, this is so, and, and yeah, proper is good. I have always loved this moment, and my friends and I kind of do this. That way he kind of scrunches up and he's just, well, why don't you use your divine influence? Like me and my friend Joel say that to each other a lot. And shout out, I want to shout out, you know, uh, Joseph and you and I both got to watch uh, Star Wars in 30 minutes uh, mm. uh, at Star Wars Celebration. Our pal Mark Riley, Patrick T. Gorman's show, long running show that got to come back for Star Wars Celebration. Such fun. And Mark Kelly plays Han Solo. And he's always been, and I love my pal Riley. He's a star. Gorman, so they're all, they're, the whole cast kills mm. it, kills it. But Mark Kelly just gets me and gets us his delivery of Han Solo's lines, AKA Harrison Ford's delivery of the lines is pitch perfect. Cause it's that it's basically acknowledging that it's that shared kind of inside joke slash experience of you know, a kid. I've seen everything in this part of the galaxy. Just that the way just Ford delivers it, it just never leaves your brain from age seven on. And I just, I just love it. I think, Will, you've captured that spirit here. I love this. This is a great memory. Yeah, that's such a great, we, we talk about Star Wars community a lot, and this is such a great example of when just one specific line becomes a thing uh, mm-hmm. for friend groups. And sometimes it translates out to, you know, from a friends group to, you know, whole larger uh, community thing. But yeah. it's just a great way where Star Wars builds community. And I think there's something funny to me about it, uh, too, because, yeah, I mean, you could almost poke fun at, at Harrison Ford in that, in that great performance um of of star wars in 30 minutes where uh, there are definitely some moments in in uh you know star wars and in empire strikes back we're like hey you want to enunciate there a little harrison like no i don't want to like he's it's all a kid runs it together and then i don't know marquan must have just been in there with the bullhorn like bigger harrison bigger because <laughs> he makes some bigger choices in return of the jedi in my opinion and one of them is proper like i'll yeah. put you 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 think there are only two syllables in there. I'll show you, you know, like he, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. makes a meal out of that word and it makes it really, really fun. Mm. Mm. It's so true. I mean, his mumbling is uh, an ongoing debate. I have with some friends on my, my version is he tells Leia, I'm nice men. And my other friend will punch me in the face and stab me if he has a chance. No, I'm a nice man is what he says. And I'm just like, and there's different, there's like a script version versus what have said. Subtitles say, I'm a nice man. I'm convinced he, it's more Han Solo to be like, I'm nice men. Uh, and just, and, and, and it's all because he just couldn't enunciate, <laughs> just delivered it in, in his own way and his Harrison way. And uh, I absolutely love it, but it's part of the fun and it's a fun debate. And it is. Yeah. yeah you're so right. You're so right. Uh, love yeah, 
Mm. And it, yeah, I, I have happy memories of those kind of things. There was a while there where I had a, a bunch of good friends who just every chance we get, we would play Super Smash. And mm. uh, I had one friend who started saying every time he beat one of us, all too easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would make the rest of us so mad. And then we all started doing it of any time that one of us knocked somebody off the level, all too easy. Mm. Uh, so mm. it, it's absolutely wonderful when Star Wars comes into your life that way. Any uh, yeah. any other thoughts or memories uh, for you? No, no, I just love it. It's a, it's part of the fun. And like I said about the like the other shows, the sequel era and stuff like that. Like it's easy to. There's ones that we have, and you know, more is one of my favorite Kylo Ren ones, all that kind of stuff. But there's just there's just some that we're not thinking of because we weren't ten when we saw the Force Awakens, and that's how it really grows with you. Where you're on the playgrounds or in a chat room or whatever the you know the kids these days. But you know, you're gonna grow and grow with it in a different way then we will as adults watching it. And that's, it's so fun. It's just so fun to think that that's going on. Yeah, man. You know, if I was playing Super Smash with those uh, buddies now, and y- there's a thing in Super Smash where you can, you know, get so much damage that when you finally get whacked, you fly off the screen so violently. <laughs> it's so over the top when you're at like 400% damage and have yeah. survived. And then you just explode off the screen. Uh, you know, it'd be fun to be doing that. And then, uh, mm. you know, quote Hux of, you think you got him. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Will, for that power of the light side. Very, very joyful. Now, Ken, where can people find us? Uh, you can find us on Force Center on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I stumble on air a lot. Off air, I don't like moving my mouth to talk. I talk too much in microphones all day long, so Grace is always yelling at me. You sound like Han Solo. So here we go. On Twitter at Force Center Pod. <laughs> We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Thank you again to everyone watching our live Q&A. We'll be doing that again soon. Facebook pages, Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available on a lot of different spots, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. If you're on one of those places and it allows you to rate and review and you'd like to, well, please go ahead and do it. It would really help the show. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Center. You can find me at Cadnapsock or go to my website, Cadnapsock.com. And for all you nerds in attendance, because I'm a nerd too, <laughs> I will be at Star Wars, uh, excuse me, not Star Wars Celebration. That's the other one we were just at, at San Diego Comic Con. Uh, I will not be at the convention per se, but I will be doing comedy July 21st with Mark Ellis and friends at the American Comedy Company. If you're out there, uh, come on by and let's have some laughs. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshot. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshot.com for more comedy adventures. I got some stuff coming up that I will actually update my website. Amazing. Let's see if I remember how to do that. Uh, For now, this is it. Thank you for all of the questions for myself, uh, for Ken, for the word proper. This has been Questions of the Force. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.